Welcome to the Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Follow along with the message by downloading our app, available for both Apple and Android phones. And now, for our message. Uh, we're going to be this morning in Psalm 50, the 50th Psalm. So if you want to turn there, if you want to, if you want to scroll there, that would be great. I would encourage you to do that. We're going to look at that in just a moment. Thanksgiving's coming up. I don't know where this year went. I know I say that. It's like I sound like a, my parents did, but it's like, and the whole year goes, and it's gone. It's like, how do we get to this part already? I mean, we already have February weather, and it's November, so it's amazing how quick the year has gone around. Uh, it just, I don't know how we got here. I want to talk about, specifically this morning, I want to talk about giving thanks, but not so much Thanksgiving in terms of the holiday. And um, not going to be a big deep dive. This is just a singular message, not part of a larger series. Uh, But it's really about the priority of Thanksgiving and uh, making it a part of our lives. And you'll understand what I'm talking about when we get closer to the end of this this message. Gratitude is one of the most attractive qualities that a person can possess. Like when I'm around grateful people, I, I, I I want to be around them more. When I hear someone being grateful, it is, it is like a magnet. It draws me to them. Recently, Susan and I gave a, uh, a friend of ours, we gave a, a, a gift just prompted by the Holy Spirit to give this particular gift. And the, uh, and the person, when they received the gift, was so moved that they um, got teary-eyed and were just, they said over and over again how they were blown away by this gift. And it wasn't really us, it was the Holy Spirit. We weren't thinking about giving this particular thing away, but it worked out really well. But here's the thing, when they were so gracious and so appreciative, it made me feel like, man, what else can we give them? Let's give them something else. Because that gratitude, it's like a draw. It makes you want to connect even more. There's something about people that are grateful, that have a, a spirit of thanksgiving, that, that um, they just come across content. They're peaceful. They're not striving. They're just kind of relaxed when you have that attitude. And I, I have to confess to you, that is not always my default. I'm, sh- I'm sorry if that disappoints you, but that's not how I am all the time. I am, I, I am inclined to not be thankful. As a matter of fact, I think most of us have a, have, a, have a bent away from gratitude. But it is not just a good idea, and it's not just an attractive quality. Uh, gratitude and appreciation is commanded in the Scriptures over and over and over again. Psalm chapter, or the 92nd Psalm, verse 1 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. It's a good thing to give thanks. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's a good thing to give thanks. Always a good thing to give thanks. It says in Psalm 106, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. He is good. My favorite Thanksgiving verse is in 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Love that verse. In everything we are going through, good, bad, or indifferent, there is always something we can be thankful for. Always. Not for circumstances, but in all circumstances. Thanksgiving is, when you, it's like one of those qualities um, that when you start looking for it, it's everywhere in the scripture. It's like you ever, you ever get a, a new vehicle, maybe not a brand new vehicle, but a new vehicle to you, and up until the point that you purchased the vehicle, you never saw those vehicles anywhere, and as soon as you own one, 
every third car is that specific vehicle. You're like, there's another one, there's another one, there's another. It's the same thing with Scripture. When you start looking at any particular topic in the Word of God, it starts jumping off the page at you because you become sensitized to it. When you think about Thanksgiving, and you put that in the forefront, it's all over the Word. Commandments for Thanksgiving, uh, what happens when you're not thankful, uh, descriptions of people being thankful, encouragements to bring Thanksgiving to the Lord, and on and on and on it goes. But here's the thing, as I mentioned a little bit earlier about myself, like every other virtue, like every other spiritual fruit, like every other God-honoring practice, our natural inclination is always away from Thanksgiving, always away from giving God glory and thanks. It's easy to take for granted what he has given us or even despise what he has given us. And so Psalm 50, where we're going to be this morning, is actually a rebuke and correction for the people of Israel. They were, they were being corrected by God at, through the hand of the psalmist who wrote down this particular song for the nation of Israel. And we're going to look at just a chunk of it together. So look at verse 7. This is Psalm 50, starting in verse 7, the psalmist writing the words of God. So this is God speaking to his people about their gratitude. Here's what it says. This is out of the New Living Translation this morning. It says, O my people, listen as I speak. Here are my charges against you, O Israel. I am God, your God. It says in verse 8, I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly offer. But I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens, for all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Verse 11, I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. Do I eat the meat of bulls? Do I drink the blood of goats? Rhetorical questions there at the end with the answer being, of course, no. God says, I have some charges I'm going to bring against you, Israel. I have, I have some complaints that I'm going to level against you. He says, I don't dislike your sacrifices. What you're sacrificing to me is not a bad thing. He's not upset with their burnt offerings that was part of the sacrificial system that Israel was under during the writing of this, of this particular song in the, psalm in the Old Testament. But the Lord is reminding them, look, I don't need your animals. I don't need your stuff. Now, the, the, when Israel comes into the promised land, was called formerly the land of Canaan, all of the nations that lived there, they sacrificed to their gods too, their small g gods, and they would bring food offerings because their thought was these gods need to be sustained. They need to be satisfied by this particular food. So they would all bring to their idols these, these food offerings. But it was never that way with God. It was never that way with Yahweh. And he makes that very clear. He reminds them of that when he says, look, if I was hungry, would I even ask you? Look, I own it all. As Jason said this morning, I own it all. I own all the animals in the forest. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. You ever heard that expression? That's where it comes from. Psalm 50, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He says the earth and all of everything in it belong to me. God owns it all. Turn to the person next to you and say, God owns it all. And even if he was hungry, he would not be asking you for a cheeseburger. God owns it all. He has everything that he needs. The earth is his. But look in verse 14, 14 and 15. This is the pivot point in the narrative. It says, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows that you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you. 
and you will give me glory. Get the feel of the narrative. It's rolling through and God's saying, I, you know, I've got these charges and you, you, know, you don't understand, I own it all. But however, however, verse 14, however, why don't you make thankfulness your sacrifice? Why don't you fulfill your vows? Why don't you bring me gratitude and obedience instead of more burnt offerings? They're fine, but I'm specifically, God is saying, I'm specifically requesting that you bring thanksgiving. Don't just, don't just go through the motions because that's the thing with the, with the burnt offerings and the animals and all that stuff. Israel could find itself just doing the stuff that they were commanded to do without having their heart engaged. To go back to what Jason said this morning, such a perfect segue, they were doing it out of a have-to attitude, not out of a get-to attitude. And we can, we can understand that, can't we? We can make that connection. That's, we can find ourselves in the exact same position. God's saying, don't just go through the motions of worship. Check, don't just check boxes. Come and bring yourself to me. Offer thanksgiving from your heart. Then he says in verse 15, then when you're in trouble, I'm gonna rescue you and you'll give me glory. The old Israel, Old Testament Israel, the old nation of Israel, and the new Israel, which are the people of God now, have something in common. Just like them, we can fall into places where we check spiritual boxes. Have you ever come to church because it was Sunday, not because you really wanted to come? Only four of you that are honest. That's fantastic. Man. There's nothing wrong with doing things out of duty. But that's never the heart that God wants. He wants you to want to be here. He wants us to want to give. He wants us to want to worship him. And Israel had gotten in a place where they were just going through the spiritual motions, did their duty, attended the temple or the tabernacle, followed the rules, made the right sacrifices, all without having their hearts be tender before God. You can do that. All over the world, there are people going to church whose hearts are not engaged in what they're doing. They're just going through the motions. We don't want that. God does not want that. That's what Psalm 50 is addressing. And we can do the same thing. We can, just, we can come, we can show up, we can, we can sing the songs, we can give the money, we can, we can do all those pieces and never really have our hearts engaged. Write this down if you're taking the notes this morning. It is possible to make right, I'm sorry, to make sacrifices and to give resources and still not give an offering that is meaningful to God. It's possible to go through the motions and, and have it look right, but not have it actually be right at the heart level. We can go through the motions and fool people around us, but we can never go through the motions and fool God. And what he wants, it's so simple, in verse 14 and 15, what he wants is just a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of gratitude, a sacrifice from, from the deep place inside of us. Think of it again. What does God own? He owns Everything, good job. He owns the cattle on, right. He owns all the animals in the forest, right? It's all his stuff, everything. It all belongs to him. He's got the whole thing. And yet he says in verse 14, I want you to make this sacrifice. I want you to make the sacrifice of thankfulness. You know why? He can't give that to himself. God can't give himself your gratitude. That's not the system that he set up. You offer your gratitude to God. You offer your worship to God. He designed us purposefully not to be robotic in our response to him. He wanted people to love him and to worship him and to thank him and to, and to care about him because they wanted to, not because he forced them to. Gratitude comes as a free will offering. Nobody makes us do it from the heart. We offer it to him out of our hearts. 
Thanksgiving is a gift that we exclusively can give to God. He can't give it to himself. You ever heard the expression Christmas time? What do you give the person that has everything? Gratitude is the gift that we give to the person that has everything. God has it all. He owns it all. He doesn't need another sacrifice. He doesn't need another animal. He doesn't need more cattle on more hills. He has them all. But what he does not have is our gratitude, which is why he says, make Thanksgiving your sacrifice. Let it come from up inside of you. That's what I really want. I know this isn't new. This doesn't feel like a new idea, does it? I hope it doesn't. I hope you've thought about gratitude before. But here's this crazy thing. I know a lot of things that I don't do. Anybody else agree with me on that? There's a disconnect between my knowledge and my application. Think how different your life would be if you did all the things you know you were supposed to do all the time. Wouldn't you be here? (laughs) I know plenty. I would be, I mean, thin. I'd be nicer. There's all these things. I would just be so different if I did all the things that I know to do. So these times when we're in God's word together aren't really about new knowledge all the time. Most of the time, they're about rethinking about something and asking God to help us do it, transform us and change us so that we are more obedient, so that we, we look more like Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to join me for the next six days on a little journey of thanksgiving. For the next six days, I'm going to invite you to obey verse 14 of Psalm 50 with me, a little project um, in offering thanksgiving sacrifices. So what is it going to look like? Here it is. If you want to write down, here's going to be the steps. I'm going to, when you leave today, there will be someone at each door as you're walking out that's going to give you something that looks like our grace guide on the front, but it's not. It's actually a Thanksgiving journal. And inside of it, there are six blocks, one, two, three, four, five, six, starting Monday, going through next Saturday. And what you're going to do, if you choose to accept this opportunity, what you're going to do is you're going to do four things each day. One probably take you five, six minutes. Unless you're super spiritual, it might take you 10. But if you're a normal person, it's going to take you five, six minutes to do this. You're going to do four things. Number one is this. You're going to reflect. That means you're going to reflect on this question. What am I grateful to God for? Easy question. Is that an easy question? Wake up. I'm sorry. Is that an easy question? What am I thankful to God for? Here's the only caveat with that particular point or the reflection point. I want you to think specifically. Here's the thing. Don't say this all six days. What are you thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for everything. Can I just say that's super lame. Don't do that, okay? Get specific. Don't think just in general terms. Think in specific terms. For ex- Here's a parallel example. When you repent, which I'm hoping you do regularly, when I repent, I'm not, it's not good for me to come into the Lord's presence and say, Lord, forgive me for all of my sins. That's not a bad thing, and he will listen to that prayer. I, he's much more interested in me saying, Lord, the way that I spoke yesterday to that person, would you forgive me for that? This specific thought that I have, this, when I was tailgating that person that couldn't drive, Lord, would you forgive me for that specific thing? There's none of those here in Springfield. There's, it's the specificity that drives the repentance home. It's the specificity that drives the thanksgiving home too. So when you're reflecting, what am I grateful to God for? Pick something specific. If, we, if I gave you a legal pad and said, just write down all the things you're thankful for, you'd run out of paper before you ran out of things to write down. So pick one of them, something specific. Second thing you're gonna do is you're gonna write. 
You're going to write the answer to your reflection. What am I thankful for? You're going to jot down what you're thankful to God for. Sentence, two sentences, three sentences. That's what, the, that's what the little space on the paper's for. Number three, you're going to pray. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to, this is the offering of the Thanksgiving sacrifice. You're going to pray, Lord, thank you for, and then you're going to, you know, in your own way, in your own prayer, you're going to thank him for the thing that you had thought about and jotted down. And then finally, the fourth step is to share. You're going to share what you wrote down, what you reflected upon, what you prayed about with some other person. Just take a couple of minutes and share with some other person. It can be your spouse. It can be your friend. It can, if you have a good marriage, it could be your spouse who is your friend. It could be a child. It could be a grandchild. It could be your parent. It could be a neighbor that, that you're close to. But here's the thing. Share it with someone. Share with someone. Reflect. Write. Pray, share. Now, I, I said this to the first service. I'm going to say it to, to this group too. Um, I am not a mind reader. However, I am a little suspicious. And when I say something like, we're going to do a six-day project together on Thanksgiving, and I do this, and I show you this and everything, there are some pe- probably some people in this room, and this is what you're thinking. Well, this is goofy. Why would I do that? Of course, I'm already thankful. I don't need to write this down. I don't need to do these steps. I'm, I'm good. I'm good on the thankfulness thing, Tim. Let me just encourage you to think differently about it. There are many reasons why an exercise like this is good for us. Let me give you two. Number one is this. Most people are not nearly as grateful as they think they are. It's a mindset. Yeah, of course, God, I'm grateful for everything. We can think that. We can even say that. And then with our very next breath, complain about something, compare something, judge something, be discontent about something. So this is a way of focusing our hearts intentionally, specifically, and communally because we're going to be sharing it with somebody else about what we're grateful for. So it drives it, drives it to application. The second thing is this, is that by documenting and sharing our thanksgiving, our gratitude becomes an encouragement to ourselves at a greater degree and to other people. There's something about the process of thinking, writing, speaking, and sharing. You're engaging all parts of your brain that forces thanksgiving to the forefront of your consciousness. Instead of it just kind of being back here, yeah, I'm grateful for God, everything, you know, it pushes it right up to the front, and we want that. And as a bonus, if you're doing this with your kids, or your grandkids, or someone that's younger than you that looks up to you, you are, you're modeling a lifestyle and an attitude of gratitude, which is not something that is very common in our culture. We, as a culture, just my observation, we think that we are owed everything and are grateful for very little. And this forces us to not think that way and not model that for those that look up to us. So, will you join me this week in doing some Thanksgiving journaling? Just pretend you are so that I feel good about this message. And then if you don't want to, I'll never know because I'll never follow up uh, with you. You're not turning this in. It's not for a grade. I just want you to, to do it with me. One more thought, then I'll let you go. The Jews that were living when this was being written, when Psalm 50 was jotted down by Asaph, one of his sons, when, when that was being written, the, the process for bringing sacrifice was expensive costly in time, costly in resources. You had to pick the right kind of animal you had to, you had, or purchase the right kind of animal. You had to take it to the tabernacle or take it to the temple. It had to, be, it had to be processed as a sacrifice in the right way according to all of the rules of the scripture. It took time, it took energy, it effort, all that good stuff. 
our, our sacrifice, our, our little sacrifice, jotting some things down for a few days, it doesn't cost us in the same way that it costs them, but it, there is a cost involved. And, and this is the thing. I want you to think about this. The cost is this, is that our bent outside of Jesus, outside of the presence of God, our bent is away from gratitude. It's always towards ingratitude. It's towards comparison. It's toward discontentment. And when we do things like this, when we respond to God's word where he says, make thankfulness your sacrifice, when we do that, it pushes against our natural bent. And my experience is this. Anytime in my walk with the Lord that the Holy Spirit or the word of God is pushing me against what comes naturally, that is a good thing to be embraced. So if you find yourself thinking, well, I don't want to do this. This is silly. I don't have to do this. You're absolutely right. It is a little bit silly and you don't have to do it. Do it anyway because it pushes back against what comes naturally. Always a good thing. Amen? Would you stand with me? Your gratitude is a gift that God cannot give himself, but he eagerly awaits for it from you. And as a bonus, when we are more grateful, we attract others to us. That magnetism is something that will pull people towards us, but ultimately pull people towards Jesus. I want to pray together uh, about Thanksgiving, but I also just want to say this. If, if you were happen to be here this morning and um, you've never given your life fully to Christ, you've never surrendered your life entirely to the Lord, you've not said, Jesus, I'm yours, I surrender. To use that word that Shannon used in the video, um, I want to say that's the greatest gift you could ever give the Lord. He, he definitely wants your Thanksgiving, but the highest gift you could ever give him is your life yielding your life to him. And so if this morning you're here and you've never trusted Christ to save you, to forgive your sins, you've never trusted Christ to be the Lord of all of your life, then I want you to come forward at the end. There'll be an elder or two up here that can chat with you. We wanna give you a gift. We wanna pray with you. We wanna help you start your journey with Jesus. That is the best gift you can give the Lord. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Just even saying that, Lord, we're so grateful for our salvation greatest gift. That's the, the, the absolute best thing you could have ever done for us, that all of eternity hinges on that gift. Thank you for that, Lord. But beyond our salvation, beyond our relationship with you, there are so many things, Lord, literally thousands of things in each of our lives that we can, we can pause and think about and, and, and write down and pray about and share with others that you have done for us. Lord, give us childlike hearts this morning. Give us hearts that are, that are, that are willing to do little silly activities like this because in the, in, in, the, in the kingdom, they're not silly little activities. They're things that, that cause us to grow and to become people who look more like Jesus. And Lord, that's my prayer for us as a church, that we would look and act and speak and live like Jesus. I pray your blessing over Grace Family. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Extend your hands in front of you if you would. I wanna speak a blessing over you before David comes. This is out of Colossians 2. Grace Church family, as you have therefore received Christ, may you walk in him. May you walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in your faith as you have been taught, abounding in your faith with thanksgiving. May you be blessed in the name of the Lord. Amen. We trust that this message made a difference in your life. If you would like more information about Grace Church, be sure to connect with us by visiting grace417.com 
or connect with us by filling out a connection card on our app.